We're back, baby. I want to welcome you guys to a week 10 edition of the Blue Rush Preview. You miss us? Come on now. I know you already missed this. I know you guys are ready and excited to see Big Blue back on the field after the bye week. And you want to see him bounce back against the Houston Texans on Sunday. So today we're going to speak to my man, Matthias Kiwanuka, and we have Jonathan Alexander of the Houston Chronicle to help us get to know our enemy. But before all that, let me reintroduce my fellow co-host, New York Post Giants beat writer, Paul Schwartz, and my former two teammate, two-time Super Bowl champ, Lawrence Tynes. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Looking snazzy, baby. We looking fresh up. We looking like money look off good. this Paul bye looks week, baby. Good. Paul looks good. Hey, good news. I'm coming off the bye week injury-free, guys. No injuries for me during the bye week. Paul, how'd you make out? Well, I didn't go very far. Actually, I did go to Florida to see my father, but um, I rented a car, an SUV, and it had four wheels on the ground, and I returned it, and I was fine. Um, we'll get into it. Boy, what what are the bye week is supposed to be a time to get healthy, and the Giants just lost an incredibly good player. It's You know, we'll get into it. Boy, it was a rough bye week for them, no question. Let's jump straight into that because, like you said, if, when we talk about bye weeks and uh, times when a coach breaks the team for the bye week, two thing, one, one thing you don't want to hear, no one get arrested. You don't want to hear anyone get hurt, and you want to have any unnecessary noise. Didn't have anyone arrested, thank God. But you had a player hurt. And you had some unnecessary noise. Xavier McKinney, ATV accident. Times we caught flat for defending him on social media. I saw your post. They were going after you worse than they were going after me. That's fine. So kind of jump in. The floor is yours. Come on. Like, like how? How? How does this happen? You, you said it You said it best, Brandon. When, when the coach sends you off and says goodbye, there's no question he worries like a father, like I do when my 15-year-old boys leave the house every morning to drive to school. I worry about them. And then I know when they're driving home. So I worry about my kids all the time. It's the same thing with Coach Dable. This is an unfortunate incident that happened to a wonderful kid. And you guys all know him. We've had him on the show. He's a leader. He's a captain. I'm always going to have my teammates back. So I understand that it stinks and it's not good for the team. And it wasn't really a selfish decision. It was an accident. Like he said, I don't think he said he knew that uh, getting into an ATV or a UTV, whichever one it was, was in his contract. But you live and you learn. And and this was not malicious. He didn't go out there doing. Listen, he wasn't in the X Games in the freaking ATV. So it's an accident. You move on. Dane Belton's a good player. He'll get his chance, and then you just hold it down until Xavier gets back. But I feel for Xavier. I really do. I feel for the team, too. And, Paul, you were in the locker room a couple days ago when he was answering questions from reporters. What was that vibe like? And what did you feel um, from Xavier after being able to hear him speak on the incident? Well, it was um, um, mildly um, confrontational, certainly. You know, I mean, we want to know everything that happened. You know, I mean, I don't disagree in theory with what both of you have posted and said here, but um, I I, I will take a little bit of a more harsh view. Um, Look, accidents are accidents, right? We've heard of guys in a kitchen, right, cutting a bagel or something, and they slice their hand open. Now they're out a month. 
or um, I remember years ago, um, um, Leach, the defenseman from the Rangers, walked out of a cab and stepped wrong on the curb and broke his ankle. You know, so there are accidents. This unquestionably was an accident, but this was he went away. Right. He went to Mexico, which is something he said he's never done before. And he did something which is in violation of his contract. I mean, you know, ignorance of the law is no excuse. This is why these things are in there, because if you get hurt in a non-football injury situation, we don't have to pay you, which means please don't do this, you know, during the season. So he has to take responsibility for that, which he did. He did not want to say whether he was driving or not. Is it a big deal? No, but it's something because was he reckless? You know, was he driving and popping a wheelie? I don't even know if you can do a wheelie with those things. But um, look, this this is this is bad. I mean, it's a bad injury. I'm not sure he's playing again this year. He has multiple fractures of fingers. I'm not sure. You know, he's on the um, you know, he's out for at least four games. I would not bet that he's back after that window. So, um, look, I don't damn him to hell and say he's a bad guy. But this was a bad consequence of a decision which I'm sure he would want back. And look, the Giants are going to have to make a decision on paying him a lot of money. This doesn't help. I'm not saying it disqualifies at all, but this doesn't help when you talk about can we trust the guy? I just want to, you know, again, defend him to some extent because he could have come back from Cabo, guys, and told you he fell. He told you he was in an ATV accident. You know what I'm saying? So he was he was really honest about the situation. I just think, you know, you got to take that for what it is. He did everything right. He's going to he's going to be fine. I think he does play this year. I don't I'm not in that that camp that thinks he's done for the year. He broke his hand. If he has to play with the club on, put a club on. We've all seen players do that. But let's just see what Dane Belton can do. I'm just happy he's OK. Um, obviously, he didn't get hurt any further because obviously when you roll a, a UTV, I mean, there's a lot of different things that can happen there in terms of head and neck and things like that. So. Thank God it was only his fingers. I like what Wink Martindale said about it. You know what I mean? Wink Wink has a way of talking, right? He said, I think there will be an effect, you know, of him not playing. He said, it could be a good effect or a bad effect. We're going to see. I mean, that is a really good answer. Like, it affects the team. He's one of your better players. He has not missed a snap since, you know, midseason last year. He is, he's not, you know, when they talk about situational football, his situation is he's always on the field. So, look, Dane Belton is an interesting young player. I think this also puts more strain on Julian Love. Now he's got to call the defense, and um, it could stretch him a little thin. So it really hurts the Giants here. I really think we will look back on this and say, you know what? If they have Xavier McKinney, they win that game, whatever game that is. It's a big blow to this defense. And no that's question. a part of the accountability for the player. Like, I, I understand it from the player standpoint. I'm going to stick up for my teammate. I'm going to stay within the locker room. And I thought he did a, a, a pretty decent job deflecting the questions where he kept going, well, it was an ATV right? It was an ATV trip. It was a trip. Times, I actually thought you were going to pull that together and make some sort of social media. Like, I thought about it. I really did. I, I did. did. I just could I didn't want to go there because the yeah. uh, Giants nation was lit. Yeah. They were yeah. hot. They were stripping this man of his captaincy. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. They were but, taking his pay. Everyone on Twitter was the GM of the team. It, it was, well, let's move along here. And, at the, and, and we'll, we're going to move on, but at the accountability standpoint I think that they should find him they should it's not going to be anything crazy you have to sort of draw that line in the sand to have guys realize hey we're on a run here I need you guys to be on your p's and q's for the rest of this season and then be sitting there and let's say they lose a game where he feels as though he would have made a play or he could have stopped 
player X from doing X, Y, or Z. He's going to sit there and have to live with that and have to have that and, and thinking in his head, I let my brothers down in that sense. So find him with the money, take away the money, and then also the game, having to sit and watch his brothers out there play without him. That is what is going to be the discipline. That's the accountability for him. He's not a bad guy. All right, moving on. Some other news throughout the bye week. A player that has gotten healthy. Kenny Galladay. I know we said we weren't going to talk about him if he wasn't here, but now he's back. KG we- is back, and and and, and Tyne seems like he is on the KG train. Take it Listen. away, Tynes. Kenny G is back. Not the, sa- not the saxophone player, but the wide receiver, Kenny G. <laughs> we get him back in the building. Does he not look rejuvenated, Paul? I mean, I, I, I know he's never played on a winning football team. I know we think there's some limitations there in terms of physically can he get open. But just the, uh, the spark, the twinkle in his eye that I saw this week, he is ready to go play. He is hungry, and I naturally think he can do something to help this football team down the stretch to earn some of that $72 million that he's made. So I am really looking forward to him playing. And certainly we don't know what that looks like, but it's something new. So it's just kind of excites me that we get to see Kenny Galladay and a motivated Kenny Galladay that's playing for a 6-2 and two football team. Paul, you buying it? Um, not really. I mean, to a point. I mean, I have of nothing course. against Kenny Galladay. I'm, I'm not saying he is rejuvenated. I didn't really see the twinkle in his eye. I really didn't. I, I was standing – Three feet from, I didn't see, you know, Tinkerbell. I didn't see any pixie ducks on on the guy. Yeah, I asked him point blank, you know, are you excited to be back? He said, oh, yeah, that's why I have a big smile on my face. You know, he was asked, you know, what do you have to prove to the coaches? He said, I don't have to prove anything to the coaches. I'm playing for my teammates. But then he backtracked and said, well, I do have to prove it in practice, which he has learned the hard way that if he doesn't prove it in practice, he doesn't get snaps on the field. Look, he can't hurt. This this receiving core is really rough. What are they, 30th in the league in passing? So, you know, if he's healthy, he's a big body. Just by things he forgot about being the receiver, he can help. But look, what's the over-under on snaps Sunday against the Texans? I don't think it's very high. I don't think it's more than 20 or 25. You know, Brian Dable has shown you the second week of the season, he was perfectly healthy and he got two snaps. So, They've been very guarded as far as what he can do. You know, I mean, let's face it. When we've seen him, his lower body does not show like a guy who, when he was healthy, that is explosive. So, look, more power to him if he can do it. I think he helps, but... I think these these expectations have to be really tamped down. Here. Yeah, we have to manage the expectations because we could be like, oh, he's back. Oh, he looks good in, in practice. And what we're seeing is, is, you know, through jog-throughs and just individual period. But then again, you get out there at the game and the game dictates that you're running the ball against the NFL's worst, worst rush defense. So you're not throwing the ball as much. Maybe he has one catch, two targets, that sort of thing. So... I think we need to manage the expectations when it comes to how much production he's going to have and not off of the sense of, oh, he's washed out or his body can't move. It's just the the way the Giants' offense is built and the way that they run this offense, there's no receiver who's really going to have five, six, seven catches on, on, on a day. So I think it's a thing. But if he can get through this game, make one or two plays, hopefully a 20-yard catch, 50-50 ball down the field, you got the Lions, his former team, coming in next week. So that could help in a, in a sense to a little extra motivation, a, you know, a, a little something there, a little something added there for him to make plays. 
uh, against the Lions. So these next two games are going to be critical for KG, but I just think it's something where it's like, you know what, this time around, I think I'm just going to manage my expectations when it comes to how productive I think he's going to be. Another storyline, the Giants trade deadline. They didn't bring him in via trade, but they signed Isaiah Hodgins from Buffalo. 6'3 receiver, made some plays in that game against, I believe it was Pittsburgh uh, for Buffalo. And uh, six targets on the year, four catches, 41 yards, his longest of 26. It was a dime thrown by Josh Allens. What can Isaiah Hodgins bring to this team in this receiving court? Well, he's another body. He's a big target. He's not a burner. 6'4". Didn't run particularly fast coming out of, out of college, but he has some short area quickness like Dave will mention, and he's a smart football player. So they'll put him in the mix. Listen, it's, it's not going to hurt to try anyone at this point, right? So you get a hungry guy, a young player who's trying to make a name for himself, and I think that's positive. So uh, that's a tough receiving core to, to break into in Buffalo. So, you know, we're fortunate to have him. And like you said, you give him a jersey and see what he can do on Sunday. Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator, he does not, you know, throw praise around very, very much, you know, certainly in public. And he said, you know, familiarity. I mean, this guy knows what we're doing, you know, because he was in Buffalo. There's some tweaks, but he knows what we're doing. And he said, you know, he, he jumped right in there and knows what we're doing. So I don't know about his special teams capability. He's going to have to play some special teams to get on the field. But um, look, it wasn't uh, uh, Claypool and it wasn't uh, Jerry Judy. You know, it's small gains, maybe. Maybe he can give you something here. You know, he and Galladay can come in and give you a little something. That's all we're looking for. They're big guys, certainly. He kind of replaces Colin Johnson in that sense. Remember, before the season, we thought Colin Johnson, or he was wide receiver one at the time with the plays that he was making before he got hurt. So we never really got a chance to see what a big body receiver can do in this offense. So he comes in and now kind of I see him replacing that David Seals role. You know, I see David Seals has been getting limited reps, limited targets throughout the uh, throughout the course of the year as the year continues to go. So now I see that I see Hodgins coming in possibly two, three big catches with a Daniel Bellinger out. You need big bodies in there. One thing we were talking about, guys, when we were talking about the trade deadline, we were like, no 5'10 receivers. Not another. Don't bring in another 5'10 receivers. They went and got a tall guy. They went and got a big guy to go up, climb the ladder, make some plays for this offense because if you're not going to get separation from a, a defender, you can get separation through length and height and being able to go up and go get the football. All right. That's block one, ladies and gentlemen. It's now time to speak with another two-time Super Bowl champ. We got DN, we got linebacker, and wine connoisseur, our friend, Matthias Kiwanuka. We keep talking the new Giants way and Giants culture with former players. This guy was a first-round draft pick out of Boston College and a two-time Super Bowl champ. Let's bring in Matthias Kiwanuka, baby. And you know what? We're, <laughs> we're, we're honest on this on this uh, Blue Rush, on this podcast. I said second-round draft pick on the first take. <laughs> Kiwi uh, stopped us and was like, first-round draft pick. My bad, Kiwi. Hey, I, My bad. I, I, snuck, I snuck in there, man. 32. 32. I just, just made it. <laughs> it's all good, though. You know, good to see you. You know, I, I, I covered your whole career. You know, I thought you were always a stand-up guy in the locker room. Um, said what you had to say, you know, didn't look for attention, but didn't shy away from it either. Take me inside what you think is going on in the Giants locker room. When they come back off the bye and hear this news about one of their star players, Xavier McKinney, who was in Cabo, Mexico, um, you know, breaks fingers in his hand in an accident. Um, you know, you lived through, you know, the Plaxico Burris stuff, but it was a little different. It, I think it's a different situation. What, what, what are players thinking um, you know, are they blaming him? Are they are they uh, patting him on the back? You know, take me in there as a player 
when one of your brothers, a, a really good player, this happens to? I think the, the first thing you got to do is you got to rally around him. You got to understand that it is an injury. He's probably already going to be tough on himself. And if you know him as a person, you just want to make sure that he's going to be okay physically and mentally. So that's the, that's the first, very first thing. And then you start looking at the football aspect of it. What does that mean? What does that mean for our team and for our chances? You know, when you, when you lose a key component or a signal caller or somebody who's who's a big piece of the defense, it does things and it makes other people have to be thrust into situations that they're not normally accustomed to, right? So you, yes, you have a, a backup guy who's gonna who's gonna be asked to come in and fill the, the role physically, but there's also the intangibles that people bring to the game. And you know, you've been in a locker room, you understand that there are guys who, um, you know, we like to call force multipliers, right? So just because they're out there just because they're they're at practice and they're player coaching and they're they're helping other people get lined up. Those are the things that are most difficult to replace and the things that most people don't realize what's going on. So uh, to answer your question shortly, first and foremost, you want to make sure that that player and individual is going to be okay physically and and mentally and emotionally. And then you want to get him replaced, not just on the field, but get all the intangibles that he brought to the table replaced. So there's a lot of distribution of um, of power that's going to have to be taken over. So that's the locker room mindset of mm -hmm. it all. But let's talk about the individual player, his mindset. Mm -hmm. Remember, uh, back in 2007, you had gotten switched from DN to strong side linebacker. <laughs> you were playing, you were starting. That's that Super Bowl year. You broke your leg. You had yep. to sit back and yep. watch while everyone was practicing and playing. Mm -hmm. And we went on that run to the Super Bowl. What was yep. going through your mind then? And what's it, what's going to go through X's mind as he sits and he watched a 6-2 and two team continue to go mm. after playoffs and possibly a Super Bowl? Yeah, so the situation I was in it was was very unique. You know, I started 10 games. You're Like you said, I was, I was moved from defensive end, my natural position, to outside linebacker. I was being asked to do things that were outside of my, uh, my, my, my skill set, right, outside of my expertise. And, um, and then, lo and behold, I get injured. So – Immediately, your focus is just on yourself, right? It's a very selfish feeling. When am I going to get better? When am I going to heal? And then your mindset goes on to the, the team. You want the team to do well. And that's where the issues start to, to come in. You want the team to do well, but you so badly want to be a part of that success that, you know, if it's not dealt with appropriately, if you don't get, you know, counseling or get the help that you need to have an ear or somebody to speak to honestly about how you're feeling, it can it can fester and it can eat you up inside. Um, I was fortunate enough to be able to come back a few years later and reach and, and win another Super Bowl actually being out there on the field. But I understand most players don't get that chance. You know, I played, we both played, we played with guys who were in the league for 10 plus years and never made it out of the first round of the playoffs. So these opportunities are few and far between. Um, I think where he's at right now is just to get the best um, treatment that he can. So you want to make sure that you're crossing all your T's, you're dotting all your I's, you're seeing all the best specialists and the Giants will do a good job. They'll fly him around to wherever he needs to go to make sure that the injury is handled the best that it possibly can. And then you start dealing with the the emotional aspect or the, the mental aspect. You got to make sure that you're still in your book. You got to make sure that you keep up with everything that, that's going on in the building because if and when you do get that that chance to come back, it's not going to be the same uh, situation that you left. 
you know, as the season goes on, things get added and things get removed from, you know, from the playbook on both sides of the ball. So there's a lot that that has to be done in terms of mental reps. That's one of the most difficult things to do as a player is to get the same out of mental reps that you do from physical reps. That's that's very difficult. So once he gets the physical part taken care of, then he's got to get the, the book work part un, understood and transform into um, a book learner instead of being an on the field learner. And then he's also got to deal with the um, the emotional part of it. And that's that's probably the longest lasting and the, the most difficult in, in all honesty, because this is a game, but it's what you've dedicated your entire life to. Um, it's what you wake up in the morning. It's what you go to sleep at night thinking about. Your whole family dynamic is, you know, is structured around you being good at this sport. Um, so it's, it's very difficult. Dang, Kiwi, that was like a speech off that show. On America, bro. Like, that's a CW TV show speech right there. I like it, man. I'm going to play you in your biopic, man. Uh, go ahead, Paul. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, Matthias, um, this is before your time. Um, I used to ask the former Giants general manager, George Young, you know, who does this player remind you of when he was drafted, right? And he would say, mm-hmm. I don't believe in reincarnation. You know, I'm not saying this guy is this guy because Mm -hmm. it puts too much pressure on that guy. Okay, so Mm -hmm. I'm not saying Kayvon Thibodeau reminds me of you or maybe a little Mm -hmm. O.C., but he's Mm -hmm. long. Um, What Mm -hmm. have you seen from him? Um, You know, he missed the first two games. He's played pretty well. Um, What have you Mm -hmm. seen from him? Because that's your position, you know, outside linebacker, defensive end. And is there a risk of frustration because his numbers are not there? And he was a high first round pick. Right. So Mm -hmm. we're going to start looking at him and saying, well, he's only got this many sacks. He's only got this many sacks. You know, what's the Mm -hmm. vibe there that you're sensing with Kayvon? I I think when you when you look at him on film, um, a a lot of the the components that you just can't teach are there. Right. So he shows up in in big games when the when the pressure's on, he has a tendency to to perform. And that's something that you just either you have it or you don't. Um, So that's really good. When I look at him, you know, his attack, his get off is good, meaning like his uh, ability to get off at the same time that the ball is being snapped. Um, his pad level is low. I'd like to see him to continue to use that length a little bit more and extend those arms. We have a tendency as long arm guys to try to, you know, slap or chop and, and it allows, you know, the, the offensive tackles or the you know, offensive linemen to get into our body. I'd like to see him use that consistently and extend and, and keep that high motor running. But I mean, the, the sky is the limit. Um, I, you know, at the beginning of the season, I was looking forward to he and and also Aziz Ojolari, um, you know, having, you know, being all in the mix, because, as you know, you can be a dominant force, you could be a dominant pass rusher. But you need other components. You need other other parts, other teammates. You need somebody else and other people on the line, which they do have up in the middle. But you need consistently other people who are going to be able to attack their one on one blocks and get you freed up. Um, So right for right now. I wouldn't put so much emphasis on the numbers. You know, this is one of those seasons where it's like, hey, listen, come in, um, you know, give us your all and let's get this team to where we need to be. And then individually during the offseason, that's when you go back and you look at every single play and say, what could I do different here? What could I do different there? And I think, um, you know, he's got a he's got a, a huge, huge ceiling. Um, so he's in a good spot. Kiwi came on dropping dimes, man. I wish we had more time to talk to you, bro. And like, you know, congratulations with Wandering Wines, your your wine company, everything you're doing off the field, man. You are the, the Giants way. You are Giants culture. And uh, thanks for taking the time out for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. Kiwi, appreciate that big homie. 
And uh, congrats on the wine. The way we're dressed right now, we should have we should be sponsored by Kiwi's Wines, man. We're looking good. All right, it's halftime's over of the Blue Rush preview. We've made our adjustments. It's time to get to the nitty-gritty of this game. My personal favorite section. It's time to talk some X's and O's. Let's get to some key matchups for you guys. Paul, you go first. Jump right in. Well, first of all, um, Giants versus Giants, I think, is a key matchup in this game. yeah. Um, Should, right? Should is a dirty word, right? You guys who are in locker room should. We should win this game. We should be able to score points. We should be able to shut down their running game, things like that. The best teams in the league, should is something that you attach them. Should? I'm not so sure the Giants should. Uh, they've earned that yet. But the, the, this matchup seems pretty simple to me. The Giants don't intercept the ball. You know, Mills has thrown, what, uh, nine interceptions, eight interceptions, something like that. It's all about the run. It's all about stopping Damian Pierce. Uh, he's a good runner. Wink Martindale said, very funny. You know, Wink has a great way of saying things. He said, I don't know who did something to this guy or said something to this guy, but he is angry. He is so angry. He said he might be the heart, the angriest runner in the league. And then, of course, he mentioned Earl Campbell, which, um, you know, is kind of a non-starter for me and those of us who remember Earl Campbell. But he said, and I asked Dexter Lawrence about it, too, hard runner, angry. Kind of reminds you who the angry runner. I'm sure you guys would agree. Ahmad Bradshaw was always angry, right? Always ticked off, ran angry, ran like, you know, someone stole his, his clothes and he wanted to, you know, you know, run through him or something like that. So this this giant run defense is not great. You know, they, they've struggled, you know, with their inside linebacker play. So that is the key. You have to make this team as one-dimensional as possible, and that's dealing with this guy, Pierce, tackling. He will break tackles. There's no question about it. He's a tough guy. Uh, that's that's the matchup for me. You know, make make Mills throw the ball because, um, you know, Pierce can do damage, and, you know, guys like Kenyon Drake, there are guys who've done damage against the Giants. They they can't let that happen. There's no question, Brandon. It's 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 our run defense against Damian Pierce. If, if he gets going, there's going to be trouble. Because they do have some explosive wide receivers in terms of speed. Philip Dorsett came along, had a really nice game last week. I know he was a first-round pick seven, six, seven years ago by the Colts, but he does have speed. Cooks has speed. Nico Collins is a nice player, and they've got like 18 tight ends that they throw the ball to. But you cannot let Damian Pierce get going. And that is the one thing hopefully the Giants looked at during the bye week and said, how do we fix this run defense? Because it is leaky. Um, and it shouldn't be that way. And naturally, you don't want to go to the linebackers, but the D-line has to get get penetration and get upfield. And and they did a nice job. Listen, to be honest with you, right before the bye, they did a really nice job against Ken Walker overall when you look at kind of what he's done since he's became the starter in Seattle. So you can't let the, let the run game get going. Um, if that gets going, there's going to be trouble. There's a lot of play action. There's a lot of things Mills can do. Mills is, you know, unlike Lamar Jackson, Mills is 0-7 against the NFC where hopefully he gets to 0-8. You know, Lamar Jackson had never lost to an NFC team. Davis Mills has never beaten one. But that run game matchup on both sides, actually, of the ball is going to be tell of the tape, if you will. We can't lose to Davis Mills. We can't let Damian Pierce beat us. Going back and looking at the Eagles game, Texans versus Eagles, I think this is a huge opportunity when it comes to our matchups and my favorable matchups for our tight ends. We got some good news on Daniel Bellinger. He's not ready to go, but Chris Myrick and Tanner Hudson. Dallas Goddard, and I understand, I'm not saying they are uh, a ca- Dallas Goddard-type caliber of, uh, of player just yet. Dallas Goddard, eight catches on nine targets, 100 yards in the tug. 
Seven of those catches were first downs. Now, we, we don't have the, the tight ends that can get yak like him, but we have tight ends that can catch the ball. The Houston Texans linebackers are showing, and safeties are showing, they can't cover an athletic tight end that can catch the rock. If I see them coming in with the, with the worst defense, run defense in the NFL, trying to stop that run, Kafka and this Giants offense is going to have to throw them out of an eight-man box I see them by being creative with the tight ends and making sure you get some sort of favorable one-on-one for them. You tried it with the receivers against the Seahawks, and it didn't work the way they wanted uh, the first two possessions of the game. We have to start fast, but I see the tight ends absolutely being a factor this game. And I know we got predictions later. I didn't throw that in there, but I think the tight ends will have over five-plus catches in this matchup, in this game, because they have to be able to burn uh, the Texans, when they stack that box, and we weren't, be, we haven't been able to do that throwing the ball downfield. And it's just one of those games. It's the Houston Texans. I understand they're 1-6. Ignore the record. We have to continue to win games. We can't let this game slip. So you talked about some of the Houston's weapons on offense. Let's talk and flip it. Let's talk about some of their weapons on defense. How are they going to match up against the Giants offense? They, they, don't, they don't stop the run. You know, they just don't stop the run well at all. What are they, 30th in run defense? And so are they, are they 30th or last? Are they They're last dead in run last. defense? Dead last. Dead last. Yep. You know, dead last. So, um, you know, one thing just before I forget that um, I would be remiss if I didn't say, talking about the Giants run defense, you know, Nick Williams is out for the year. And he was probably the guy who gets spoken about least of any starter. He started seven of the first eight games. He is out for the year with a biceps injury. And so that is another hole they have to fill as far as, you know, plugging the run on defense. Um, uh, Brian Dable said, and maybe, um, and, and Wink Martindale said, maybe Jihad Ward can move inside in certain situations. But, you know, that that is an issue, I think. You know, as far as the tight ends, I'm not so sure the tight ends are going to have a big game here. You know, I just don't see them having that kind of capability. But maybe a big receiver like Kenny Galladay, who we mentioned, you know, maybe they can use him more on slants and things like that. And, you know, he can be the big body. But look, it's, it's 26. You know, it's 26 right, 26 left. A little Matt Breida when uh, 26 needs a break. Um, you know, the Giants, they're every, they're every, they're, they're rested, they're ready, run the ball, these guys, you know, run the ball, these guys, and maybe Mike Coffin comes out throwing the first series just to, you know, get them on their heels, but run the ball, wear them down, uh, see if the worst run defense in the league can stop. Um, you know, probably the best running back. In the league. But Paul, Seattle had one of the worst run rush defenses in the NFL, and we couldn't really get 26 going. So if it's just 26 left, 26 right. I don't. I, I. I. That's. Everyone knows. That's how you stop them. I'm seeing them having to open this playbook up. You. I, I think from now on out, with eight games left, we all know the formula on how this Giants offense ticks. So now they have to be either you have to be creative, or you have to make a guy a guy on the outsides. And I see now like it's they're now forced to throw the ball coming out of the game. They're now forced to kind of do the run actions and play actions, that sort of thing, to try and get those linebackers to step up, to open up things down the field. I think this playbook has to be opened up going on these last eight games or the Giants could uh, they could be stalemated going forward, you know? Uh, it, w- w- what do you guys think? 
They can be. Uh, you know, this this Houston defense, they're going to sit and cover two all day. That's a Lovey Smith staple, right, guys? He is a great football coach. Um, he took the Bears to the Super Bowl. That tells you how good of a coach he is. And Rex Grossman was his quarterback, for crying out loud. But this guy plays cover two, Tampa two, right? He comes from that tree. He is going to sit back there. They are not going to give up the big play. They have a great young player. Stingley was the third pick of the draft. Petrie's another nice piece, the, the, the safety. The thing you need to look at, when teams come play the Giants, guys, they are going to come in and stop the run. That is what they're going to do. And that's why Seattle was able to do it. Now, that's a game that's on the road. This game's at home. I think you can make some adjustments, make some audibles at home that you couldn't on the road. But these safeties, that's who you got to attack on this football team. Both Petrie and, obviously, uh, Jonathan Owens, they're the leading tacklers on this team, guys. So think about that. Two safeties lead the team in tackles, meaning they're getting up the middle, they're getting up the field. You don't ever want your safeties to always be your leading tacklers. This Jerry Hughes is playing well. Um, you know, we can't discount what he did against a great Eagles offensive line last week. I mean, he had a couple sacks, a lot of pressures on Jalen Hurts. So you, you do have to run the ball, but naturally I would like to see the Giants get after it in the passing game. You know, they're going to have to throw the football. And we've talked about that all season long. They're going to have to mature. They're going to have to get creative and they're going to have to have someone who can make plays and you know, Slayton's trending that way. If you kind of look at where Slayton ha has been since he came back, he's trending 50, 60, 70 yard type of guy a game, and that's going to help. Paul, final like, thought. Let's, let, let, yeah, let's don't forget, we talk about the running game with Saquon. What about the quarterback? What about number eight? You know, the, the Seahawks did better than any team in the league. He's not getting out in the perimeter and hurting us. Now, are the Texans capable of doing that? You know, these could be a lot more option here where who has the ball? Is it getting in Saquon's hands or is Daniel getting it? So, you know, it's the second half of the season now. I think Daniel, you know, over under on his rushing yards, a 40-50. You know, Daniel's going to run the ball in this game. I don't think there's any question about it. All right, you just heard from the Blue Rush preview, offense and defense and special teams coordinator on how we think the Giants need to attack the Texans. But let's flip it. How do we think the Texans are going to attack the Giants? I got a chance to speak with Jonathan Alexander of the Houston Chronicle to see what the Texans are thinking in this week's Know Your Enemy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Giants-Texans in a Week 10 matchup, fresh off the bye week. He covers the Houston Texans and the NFL for the Houston Chronicle. He is Jonathan Alexander, and he's here for our latest edition of Know Your Enemy. Jonathan, thanks for jumping on because there are a lot of Giants fans who think this is an easy W for the G-Men. The Texans are 1-6-1, and one, but they've played tough in each one of those six losses. So what's the vibe like around the team, and what's the Texans' identity heading into Sunday's game against the 6-2 and two Giants? Yeah, I think a, a lot of them are disappointed, you know, searching for answers, trying to figure out um, how they can get a win. Because like you mentioned, they're 1-6-1. and one. A lot of their games have been close. They've only finished out one, and that was against the Jaguars. And once they were pretty solid, the biggest issues with them is their third down situations on offense. They're very inconsistent. They can't stop the run. And 
we both know that's what the Giants do well. Um, they're good against the passing game, but, um, you know, if you can't stop the run, you're going to have some problems. Teams will run all over you, and the, t- and the Tennessee Titans did that a couple of weeks ago against them. All right, we're talking about run the Giants' uh, running game. This is a game that's going to headline two big-name running backs. I imagine we're going to see a lot of runs called the receiver in me is like snooze fest. But let's start with uh, Saquon Barkley and the Giants' rush offense. How does a struggling Texans defense, run defense, stop New York's bread and butter or New York's bread and Barkley? It's going to be tough. I mean, another one of the Texans' biggest issues is they've missed so many tackles. They have 57 missed tackles on the season, which is number one in the NFL. The next worst team is Chicago Bears with 54. They've got to tackle Saquon Barkley. Um, they've also been out of the gaps, out of their gaps, and they've allowed big rushing holes. They haven't defeated their blocks. And when running backs have gotten to the second line of defense, there's been no safety there. So they've got to do those small things, and they've got to tackle a lot better. I think that's that's going to be the key in, in slowing down Saquon. Yeah, Jonathan Owens is you guys' leading tackler on the team with 42 on a year, and, and he's a safety. That's never a good thing uh, when a safety is your leading tackler. All right, on the flip side, rookie Damian Pierce, young boy's been balling, 678 yards rushing with three TDs on the year. I mean, he's the workhorse for this Texans offense. How do you think Houston attacks the Giants' run defense who's struggling themselves? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's the, he makes the engine go. And, and you asked me earlier, I forgot to mention, but their identity is a run first team. And um, they feel like their running game opens up the passing game. But you're going to see Damian Pierce, as long as the Texans don't get down early, you're going to see Damian Pierce get at least 25 touches. Um, he's been steadily improving, improving each game, have a bad game against the Tennessee Titans, but the Tennessee Titans have a really good run defense. But Damian Pierce has feasted on bad def- bad run defenses, and he's a leading candidate for Offensive Rookie of the Year, and rightfully so. It's, it's tough to bring him down. He'll, I don't know if you saw the clip against the Jaguars, but he broke seven tackles on one run. He's just ridiculous. All right, thanks again for that, Jonathan. Can't wait to H-Town gets up here on uh, Sunday. Paul, he'll be in the press box. We got to stop by and say hello to him. All right. You know what time it is. Time for them predictions. <laughs> predictions, for those of you who uh, don't understand my lingo. You guys know it. We're gonna, I'm going to give the over-under. You give me the over-the-under, and you tell me why with a quick point. All right, Damian Pierce. He's like a Kenneth Walker out there. The rookie's been balling. I'm going to put his rushing yards at 89.5. What sayeth you? Tynes, go. Yeah, this is a no-brainer for me. He's, he's averaged about 100 over his last five games. So the Giants obviously have not stopped the run this season. They're giving up around 137. I like Damian Pierce to get going. Again, not a big deal. If he goes for 100, that used to be a death sentence in the NFL. But I certainly think Damian Pierce goes over uh, 89 and a half yards this Sunday. I think over as well. See, here's the deal. Can the Giants get a lead and maintain a lead and make them not run the ball? We haven't seen that, right? You know, we've all seen it with some of these teams where – all of a sudden, it's the end of the, you know, late in the second quarter, and you're down by 17 points or 14 points. It's like the offensive coordinator panics. You know, I can't run the ball anymore. Uh, so can the Giants do that? They haven't been able to do that. I don't, until they do that, I don't think they can. So I'm going to say over because I think, you know, they're going to be able to hand the ball to Pierce, you know, pretty much for four quarters here. Same. I think it's going to be the over. Again, I think this is going to be a close game. This is just Giants football. They're not, they're not built to blow anyone out. And they're, Houston's going to continue to do what they want to do in the in sense of 
getting the ball to Pierce and trying to control the clock. But that moves to the next one. Houston completions, passing completions at 20.5 over under. Paul, go. Here's another thing. How's the game going, right? The Giants are up and they're throwing in the fourth quarter. Dink, dunk, dink, dunk. Those those passing numbers go up. Um, I think that's a little high. You know, 20, 20.5. I'm going to say under. Um, they want to run the ball. Um, you know, Mills throws a lot of interceptions. Um uh, I would say under. I, th- I think the Texans are not built to throw the ball a lot. I unfortunately agree with Paul again here. Um, under 20 and a half. He's trended down the last four games. He's only thrown over 20 and a half completions four times this year. But his last four or five games, guys, he has trended way down. I think that's defense is getting a beat on him. Again, Wink Martindale defense. He hasn't seen anything like this. I went back and looked. He's never played the Ravens. He's never played a, an outfit that's going to pressure him like this. He is a Stanford guy. I get it but he's going to be under 20 and a half completions. I'm going to go with the over, and I know I'm kind of contradicting myself, but at the same time, just the way that the, we know to stop the Giants is uh, loading the box up, stopping the run, it's the same thing with the Houston Texans. I see them at the same time, though, trying to throw a little short, quick game, three steps, getting the ball out of his hands, because that, in a sense, if you can get four, five, six yards on a first down slant, that's a run play as well. So I see quick game coming into play against the Giants who play the most man-to-man in the league. All right, next up, Houston points, 19.5. Can they score 20? I don't think so. The Giants give up just under 20. The Texans average 16 and a half. This is kind of like a – this is a tough one. This is the one you sent us last night and I, and I, and I struggled over. But what I'm going to say is the Giants coming out of the bye fresh. I'm going to give Wink Martindale's defense the edge here. I think they get some turnovers. I think they're under, obviously, 19.5 points Sunday against the Giants. I think the Xavier McKinney factor rears its head here. I think over. Ooh. You know, look, I, I, look, you can't just say Xavier McKinney's not here. Um, next man up. You know, I get it. Next man up. You know, I get it. Um, um, Dane Belton will play. Uh, Pinnacle play a little bit. Maybe Landon Collins a little bit. But they're not Xavier McKinney. He's an invaluable player. So I think at some point, Something happens in the game where the Texans directly get points because McKinney is not there. I think that boosts the number up a little bit. I'm not saying a lot over this, but I, I say a, a little bit over, you know, uh, 20 points. OK, so I'll, uh, half a point, I'll say over. I say I'm going to go with the under on this one. I got them only scoring 12 points and that's four field goals. I see what you're Ooh. saying about that, the, the, the McKinney thing coming back to uh, to haunt us. But I see that big play happening and the Giants' defense getting a stop. They, it's no, no longer bend but don't break. It's bend and don't wink, you know, because wink is out there. When it comes to them, them turning the ball, the offense, when they turn the ball over and they've had short fields against the Giants' defense, Giants have forced teams to three instead of touchdowns. I, I don't have the statistics on that, but I read that the other day. Um, and it's, you know, anytime you can force a team, especially with a struggling offense like the Texans, to three, that just helps. I see them only scoring 12. Let's flip it over. And this one, I need this. I need to hear you guys for this one. Daniel Jones, 299.5 yards passing. I don't care who goes first, hey, but talk to me nice. What, 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 but when I saw this, Brandon, I said, did we somehow sign plaques, OBJ and Victor Cruz <laughs> oh, in the no. bye week? Because 299, Daniel's done this six times in his career, okay? Five times in 2019. He's only thrown for over 300 yards one time since 2019, and that was last year 
against the Saints when he threw for 402. I don't think we're going to have to throw the ball that much. So naturally, I'm going to go under 299 yards for Daniel Jones. Uh, it's been a while since he's done that. And we're going to run the ball 200, 220, 230, something like that. I like that kind of game for Daniel. And then getting the running game going. So I'm going to go way under 299 yards. I love the optimism, though, Brandon. Come really on, like Paul. Come number. on, Paul. Talk to me nice. Give me something. No here. way. Okay, here's why we have to not let former wide receivers make these numbers, okay? <laughs> we have to take it away from Brandon. He is not an innocent bystander here. When I got this, I said, well, he must be 199. He must be, you know, you know. I don't think 199 is a no-brainer. Uh, 299 against the, the worst rushing defense in the league. Um, you must be expecting Kenny Galladay to pull a Victor Cruz here and catch a swing pass at the goal line and run 99 yards because um, uh, if they do that, if they get a 99 yard reception, I think they can go over 299. Other than that, this is just the former receiver looking at the game and saying, I'm open. I'm open. Throw me the ball. I'm open. Yeah, that's the, the, the Jets receiver, uh, former Jets receiver. Just give me the damn ball. But darn, I, I, I got to go under as well. You know, I'll put it in there just to see if you guys, you know, would, 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 you know, tickle my fancy a little bit. But yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be under. They're just not built for that. They just want to win games. I get it. All right. All right. So here we go. Since we're not going to throw for 299, Giants rush attempts at 29.5. Can they run the ball 30 times? Over, under. Yes, I think they can. And like I said, Daniel Jones. Running the ball is okay, Brandon. It's not, you know, they're 6-2 and two because they can run the ball, not because they can throw the ball so well. You know, I think this is Daniel Jones is going to have rushing attempts. Saquon, you know, you got to put the Texans in conflict here. I know you said, Brandon, you know, you can't just line up and give the ball to Saquon. I get it. But you can line up and put the Texans in conflict right away. Is it Daniel? Is it Saquon? Yeah, I think they'll run the ball 30 times in this game. Yeah, no question. I think they're way over 30. You know, they're averaging over 30 a game when you look at kind of the overall rushing stats. Some of those are scrambles that Daniel's made. But certainly, this is how this team wins football games. They run the football. Everyone's going to be a little bit healthier. They're going to feel fresh. Hopefully, Saquon's shoulders not bother them as much as it has been because I noticed that has been an issue leading up to this, to that, to that bye week. So you get Daniel's feet moving. You get Breida involved, you get Saquon, absolutely way more than 29 and a half rushes on Sunday. I'm going to go with under, and the, because of what you said, if you get Breida involved. They haven't, Breida hasn't had over five carries in a, in a single game. You know, I've, I've been waiting to see what he could really, truly bring to this offense. So I'm thinking around like 25, 26, 27, 30, the former receiver in me is a snooze fest if it's 30 rush attempts uh, in one game. But it doesn't matter because it all comes down to total points. Here's our last prediction. Total points for the Giants, 29.5. That's a lot. Yeah, I have. we only average about 20 a game. I have no idea where the hell we're finding 10 more points this week unless um, Kenny Galladay comes in and has an amazing football game. I like the Giants to win this game. Obviously, we'll get to that. I just don't see them putting – they don't have that kind of offensive firepower. This is a methodical run to football, you know, get some touchdowns in the red zone type of offense. They don't have any explosive plays really in the passing game. Maybe they could. Uh, but certainly I'm going to say under uh, 29 and a half points on Sunday. I think the only way they get close to 30 is if they get uh, points on defense, you know, and they, this team does not intercept the ball. Mills throws them up there. Can they get a fumble? Can they get a deflection? Something like that. If you can give me seven points on defense, I can probably find the other 23 on offense, but 
Um, this defense is not exactly built for that. I will say under 29.5. Yeah, I'm going to go under as well. They're not going for they're, they're, they're not going for points. They're going for the win. If that makes sense, I know it's all about scoring points, but it's just this team. Like we said, we we continue to say it. We're a broken record. This team is built to keep the game close, one possession within the fourth quarter, and then come out on top. They're built to win, not built to score a, a, a boatload of points. So when I was making these predictions, I just wanted to have a little fun there. Sorry, guys. That's why I don't get. That's why I didn't get hired by any of the sports books to make the over and unders for DraftKings. That's a good thing. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they, yeah, Vegas would be losing money. All right, it's time for some final thoughts in today's Extra Point. Tynes, <sighs> from, from, right from the right hash. Let's start from with the right the, hash. This is right a right hash, hash kick. The, the Houston Texans are kind of a, a young team, yet they're old. They're, they're, they're coming in. Lovey Smith's a, a great coach, in my opinion. I know some people think differently, but they play not to lose. The Texans, when you watch them play, they're playing not to lose. The Giants should be healthy outside of Xavier um, McKinney missing, obviously, this week. You get some guys back. You get some horses back. Oh, Shane, maybe Shane Lemieux. The Giants, and I don't want to use should or need to, but they have to win this game. Guys, the schedule gets to be a gauntlet, as we know, from November 24th through December 24th. They've got to win this game coming out of a bye week. Not that he was a head coach. Brian Dable as a coordinator at Buffalo coming out of the bye. 4-0, average margin victory of 10 points. I like that because he's going to be in this game plan. He knows what to do. So I like that. I picked the Giants to win, guys, 27-17. Paul, from the left hash. (laughs) I'm a straight-on kicker. Just put it straight on, and I'll try. Of course you are. I'll try to um, yes, yeah, straight on kicker. Yes, with a big one of those big black shoes. Okay, um, <laughs> I've seen them. Uh, um, you talk about should, could. Um, I have not seen any of that in the locker room. You know, I mean, I, and look, as sports writers, we look for that. Are they taking them lightly? Are they screwing around? They're coming off the bike. You know, this team does not. No, they may play like that at times, but they don't act like that at all. You know, Dayball does not preach that at all. No record, no schedule. You know, I, I think it's going to be hard for them to lose to the Texans, you know, and I think it's an interesting, I think the Giants have the fourth hardest schedule in the league. Mm. Okay. And that's with the Texans and Lions in the next two weeks. They know what's mm-hmm. at stake. I don't think this team is overlooking anybody. I, I asked Dexter Lawrence about that. He said, no, this is the NFL. Anyone can beat us. So I don't think they're overlooking them. If they lose, it'll be for other reasons, not overlooking. I think the Giants will win maybe like a 24-13 kind of thing, but I think they win. Ooh. Yeah, I just hope they start fast. All right. I want to thank everyone for watching and listening to this episode of the Blue Rush Podcast, our New York Giants show. Please subscribe to Blue Rush on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you all get your podcasts. And make sure you follow New York Post Sports and SNY's YouTube channels for all the videos from Blue Rush. New episodes of the show drop Monday morning following Giants games and Thursdays previewing the week ahead. For Paul Schwartz and Lawrence Times, I'm B. London, and we're going to catch you all in another episode of Blue Rush. <laughs> <laughs>